Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Recorded live. All right. What is that sound? I'm not sure. Okay. All right, so I'm going to minimize the ubu. I can still hear you guys on ubu, actually. So you can cut that off if you want to. Break it out. Yeah. Just cut that off and just switch to the to the conference call. Ladies, are you there? Press press star six. Hello? Hello? Can you press star six so I can hear you? Still working. Oh, okay. Hello. Hi. Hi. 
<laughs> okay, so you can't hear us. Okay. Okay. All right, I just unmuted you guys. I just uh, I was trying to switch from one system to the other system, and you were already on the call. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Whoo! As my husband likes to quote, the devil is a liar. Man, <laughs> we're going to do this. Lord, Lord God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus against every spirit of attack. Every other call seems to work just fine. Every other computer effort that I want to make just goes through just flawlessly. But this is ridiculous. I want to watch a silly movie. It would have no problem. But to do this, to, to, to minister your word, we try to have opposition. Lord, we're not having it. So, Lord, we take authority over the principle and the prince of the air, the prince of the airways that tries to stop what we're doing, that tries to get in the way of what we're accomplishing here through studying your work together. Lord God, you gave us the science and you gave us the technology. You gave us the wisdom to be able to do this, to understand the airways and to be able to tap into them. And Lord, no prince of the air is going to stop us. So we plead the blood of Jesus right now over the airways. And we will accomplish this thing, Lord God. We will study your word together, and we will learn exactly what it is you want us to know for this day. Give us this day our daily bread, O oh God. Father, we will not be stopped. We will not be hindered. We will not be slowed down. We will not, Lord God, be defeated. We are victorious in you. And, Father, I thank you that we do have power in the name of Jesus. We do have the ability, O oh God, to halt the enemy, to resist him, and he has to flee. Your word says so because we're submitted to your will. Lord, we ask right now that you would, by your sweet Holy Spirit, teach us today, that you would show us exactly what it is that you want us to know. And we ask, oh God, that while we're learning, that you cause our hearts to just open like a flower, to just blossom and let the fragrance of the love you place inside of us just completely saturate the atmosphere so that others can catch that fragrance and want to know of the sweet spirit that we are connected to, Lord God. We want to know you more. Reveal yourself to us today, Lord God, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. Well, thank you for the suggestion, Shanice. That's an excellent, excellent solution. Um, I can't see your pretty faces, but I guess <laughs> that's going to have to just be okay. <laughs> so this, this is better, yes? Yes. Good. Very good, very good. All I can see is that Northern Virginia and West Maryland is on the call. That's all I can see. I can't see any names. I can't see any numbers. And I can't uh, – um, and if you're on the computer, then, of course, you can type in a question, and I can see it if you don't want to interrupt, and, and that, that will be just fine. Okay. So I told I you know. last week – huh? No, I don't see where I can do that. Maybe I have to log on. I see the link that you sent, but I don't know mm-hmm. how – I don't know what to do from there. Uh, if you click on the link, it should take you to a screen that allows you to... Oh, join from your computer, button. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Carla, are you on the I'm on the line, and I just wanted to say I won't have that ability because I'm on my phone, actually, and I don't have oh. Internet service other than on my phone, so this is it. Okay. Well, me. that's fine. That's that's just fine. That's trying. You doing okay, Miss Carla? I'm here, yes. Praise him. <laughs> okay. Hallelujah. Okay. Very good. Very good. We will not be defeated. Now That's we don't right. have to worry about any 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 shutdowns. This this is gonna act just fine. 
All right, today uh, I want you to look in Second Chronicles chapter 34 and verse 22. Second Chronicles I want you to also write down Romans 11.29. Who is that sneezing? That was okay? me. Sorry. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. Oh, bless you. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> All right. And also the the final thing I want you to write is First Corinthians chapter seven. And start, we're going to start with verse thirty two and we're going to start there today. Mm-hmm. Now, if you put a title on your notes, today's uh, study is entitled Don't Lose Your Heart. I need a pen. I want to check something off. Why is everything always far away from where I'm sitting? Now I have to get up. Oh, my goodness. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Uh, just to make sure you guys are on the same page, tell me what I told you. I told you Second Corinthians thirty four twenty two, Romans, Romans 11, 11, 29, and 29. Okay. 7, 32 is where we're going to start. Um, what is it? Is it 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians? 1 Corinthians 7, okay. And we're going to read all the way through 35. 729? Okay. No, no, 1129. Romans 1129. Okay, and then 1 Corinthians 7. 7, uh-huh. 32. 32 through 35. Okay. And I'm going to refer to another passage, though we may not turn there, Um I'll just I'll just wait and see how the Lord leads me on, on that one. All right, so can one of you start to read those verses in First Corinthians for me? Those three verses. First Corinthians seven, mm-hmm. starting at verse thirty-two. Yes. Um, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. Um, okay. It says, "But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord." how he may please the Lord. 
But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. Verses 32 through 35. Now let me ask you a question before I say anything. What are your thoughts about that? What comes to your mind? Carl, I'm going to ask you first, and I don't want Shanishi to answer after that. Um, it speaks to um, your focus in life at this stage of life and um, your how you regard your body and your service unto the Lord. And um, it sets your mind in a... Um, in a place where you're, um, I don't know, protected if you focus correctly on what you're supposed okay. to be doing. And it actually okay. sets, probably sets you up for um, the possibilities um, of marriage. Okay. Denise, what are your thoughts about this passage? Um, in this passage, it's um, basically saying that... Um, uh, unmarried woman or, or man, they can basically they their focus should be on how to please it, please God, and you know they can say for instance they can come and go as they choose. They can you know um, fast and they can you know participate in all kinds of ministries where someone is married. Their first priority, I mean, other than God, is also to please their spouse. So their their attention is um, divided. Whereas someone that's not, they they can be fully committed and fully devoted to, to to the Almighty. Okay, but how do you feel about that? How do I feel about it? Um, mm-hmm. See, that's what I'm what I'm asking is I want to know what your thoughts are about that. How do you think that would affect you? Because what you guys just did, you just told me what you thought it meant. But what I want to know is what it means to you. Um, well, I mean, I guess up until a couple of years ago, it, it maybe didn't mean anything, but now I realize how much it is a blessing, um, for me to basically be able to basically kind of come and go as I, as I choose and be able to, you know, if I decide tonight that, you know, I want to go to church for some event, I can go, but if I was married, you know, I might have to, you know, pass it through my husband first, so, uh, now that I've been learning more about marriage and the meaning of marriage and studying, and then also studying what the gift of singleness means, um, mm-hmm. I think that I'm better with this. I'm better with being single in this aspect because I, you know, I can fully devote my attention to to, to developing myself in Christ. Then you know, so now I'm looking at it as a ble- more of a blessing instead of me being single as a curse. Okay. Does that make Does that make sense? Well, I understand you perfectly. Oh, okay. um, Carla, what does this mean to you, personally? Um, personally, it, it clarifies um, where I'm supposed to be focused right now. Okay. All right. Well, I want to 
be just a tiny bit argumentative if I, if I can, if I can dare. Because in this passage, my feeling initially was, oh, I'm just not going to get married. <laughs> because for me, it made me feel initially when I first read this, what, 20, 25 years ago? My thought was, I don't want anyone to ever get in the way of me and my God, you know. Um, and if, if, if I had felt that train of thought, I would have thought that it was a choice between God and my husband. I would have thought it's either, either I please God or I please him because what it's saying is that a woman who is not married really cares about pleasing the Lord almost as if the, uh, the married woman doesn't. And mm-hmm. that's not the case, is it? No. Yeah. No, you're not going to stop loving God when you get married. <laughs> but my first thought was that I remember having that thought because I was very protective of my relationship with God. I, I love the time I had. I loved uh, uh, being able to, to, to hear his voice. I loved his leading. I loved what I was learning. I loved how I felt and watching him move in my life and the things that, 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 that would happen, the miracles that were going on. I didn't want anything to get in the way of that because um, my persecution when I first came to the Lord started early. Like the very day I got saved, I was persecuted by unbelievers. And it, it continued for a while until I, I, you know, started getting strength and it didn't have the effect uh, that it did before. But the reason why I entitled our, our study, Don't Lose Your Heart, is because when you are married, um, and, and if you look at, at, at verse 35, the last thing that he said in verse 35 is that, that you may serve the Lord without distraction. Almost as if to say that being married is a distraction. Marriage is not a distraction. However, there are things in marriage that can be very distracting. And likewise, there are things when you're not married that can be very distracting. The main thing you should focus on is your heart towards God, whether you are married or not. And I want to show you Romans eleven twenty nine for a moment because I want something to be solidified in you. And the, the wife that we're studying today, it's, it's important that we kind of hash this out because getting married doesn't give you a pass no longer serve God in the fullness. Verse 29 of Romans 11 says, for the gift and the calling of God are irrevocable. So God is not going to change his mind about calling you. God is not going to slow down your calling when you get married. He's not going to change your job description. Whatever it is that he has called you to do, you are still expected and required and commanded to do, even when you are married, even when the children come, even when you have a household to support and to build up, all those things. I don't want us to ever get to a place where we think that a married person doesn't have the freedom to do all the things in God that a single person does. And I don't want married people to ever think that single people have all the time in the world. They can do a thousand a thousand more things. It is not that way. God gives each of us the same 24 hours a day. What we have got to understand and learn is that our heart toward God 
is what is the most important aspect that you are to guard, married or not. Being single does not give you more time because I have yet to meet a person who is not married and in the Lord who is just sitting around eating bonbons watching TV all day (laughs) or they go to work and the rest of the day they're totally free. They all, and I know this from experience, they all have plenty to do. And when you are married, that does not necessarily change. This is a matter of the heart. When you're married, you have an additional person to be concerned about. This is a personal. The the, the difference between being married and being unmarried is that when you are unmarried, you can minister to people and then go home. When you are married, you're ministering to other people and you have someone at home to minister to. (laughs) So we're, we're adding, but we're not taking away. We're multiplying. We're not dividing. Does that make sense so far? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we don't ever want to minimize the, 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 the value of an unmarried person's time because your time, I mean, God will have you working, you know, and doing all the things that he's called you to do, and you're in this ministry and that ministry, and you're doing this and you're doing that, and you don't see any incoming, and you would think that that's, that's a great, wonderful life. And then when you get married, and you find yourself still drawn to do this ministry or that ministry and this and that. But can I just tell you, God is not a hard taskmaster. My Bible tells me that Jesus says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So being married, it multiplies you. So the benefit of this is that when you're married, you still have your call, you still have your anointing, you still have your purpose, you still have your assignment, but now you have someone who is personally agreeing with you to stand with you to do it. You see that? Mm-hmm. But if we, if we approach it in But not always, in a, though. I mean, suppose, well, I guess, I don't know. It just sounds like to ahead. me that, that, that it's possible that um, you're married to someone who doesn't actually understand your ministry. And that's exactly why we're going to study Holder today. Turn to Second Chronicles chapter 34. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> yeah, because my ministry is all about women and men. Yeah. Mm-mm. I did not say that they would be serving with you. I said they could stand okay. in agreement with you. Okay. That's different. Okay. That's different. You have somebody who is loving you, who is going to cover you, who is going to watch over you and see to it that you are taken care of and you are okay. So Second okay. Chronicles chapter 34 and verse 22, and also we find her in Second Kings chapter 22, verse 14, if you just want to make a note of, of the different places that she, her life is mentioned. And let me give you a little bit of background on Hulda. Uh Holder lived in a time where there was rampant sin going on in the land. People were not serving uh, the God of David at that time. They were not uh, doing everything that the word of God had said. They were worshiping false idols and false gods. They were following in the behaviors and the patterns and the customs and cultures of that day so much so that they had completely lost sight of the word of God. They did not know what they were supposed to be doing. They didn't know their left hand from their right. And 
at this point in time, things had really uh, gotten so bad. It it was to the point where God was just ready to just do some serious punishment on them. So there was King Manasseh. He was 12 years old. He reigned for 50 years, about 55 years. And he was an evil king, okay? And then we take it down and we see that, and, and, and I don't know how old um, Holder was, but I know that when the, the, the king passed, that his son Josiah became king. And when he became king, he was only eight years old. He was just a child, okay? But when he, when, after 18 years of reigning, he had started making some changes in the land, started making some, some definite um, decisions because he was a good king. He walked in the ways of David. He didn't go to the right hand or the left, the Bible says, in, in, in the early part of this chapter. He did everything that he was supposed to do, and then... Something happened while they were purging the land and while they were trying to get things in order, they discovered the book of the law. They discovered the word of God. It had been hidden and it had been, uh, I don't know where they discovered it, but they sent for uh, the priests and the, the, the men of God, the Levites, and they asked them to come and to read it. So Hilkiah, he found the book of the law. That was given by Moses. He had the book read to the king. And when the king heard the words, the Bible says that he tore his clothes. He his clothes. He just, he couldn't believe it. And he sent and told them, let's inquire of the Lord and find out what it is that God wants us to do at this point. Because it's one thing to read the word of God that's sitting in your hands. It's another thing to know what God is doing right now. So he ordered them to go and inquire of the Lord. That meant to go and find the prophet of that day, of that time, the one who was fully serving God, the one who was fully living for God, despite what everyone else was doing, the one who was true, the one who was faithful, the one who was ready and willing to serve God no matter what. And that person at that time happened to be a woman. Her name was Holder, and we find her in verse 22, okay? Mm -hmm. And what was amazing, and I guess I'll go ahead and read this. Uh, Oops, I have the King James. Let me go ahead and do NIV for you right quick. Because... um, King James is my habit. I, I, I speak King James. <laughs> Second Chronicles 34. Okay. It's it's just amazing. There, there aren't too many prophetesses mentioned in Scripture. But this right. is one who was. And and so I want you to see how, how powerful her she was, that she wasn't just a prophet. She was a prophet that was known to be faithful to God, who was known to be right who was known to be uh, true, who was known to be a good person. But here's what's significant about this passage, okay? What's significant is they actually mentioned her husband. And they didn't just say she was married. They gave the scripture. So let's look at this. So Hilkiah and those the king had appointed 
went to Holda the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tokha, the son of Hazra, keeper of the wardrobe. She dwelt in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they spoke to her to that effect. I'm going to stop right there. So the majority of that, that passage, that one verse, is talking about her husband. Why? Because had he been an evil man, had he been a man who was a problem, had he been a man that was getting in the way of what God was doing in her, we would have had something different about him. But what it did was it quoted who he was, who his father was, and who his grandfather was. And as it turns out, his grandfather was the keeper of the wardrobe. So we already see that she was not only a woman of God, that she was connected close enough where they knew who her people were. They knew the lineage of her husband by whose name she fell under. So he was a man who was uh, uh, excellent enough in his craft that he worked for the king, that he was the keeper of the wardrobe. He wasn't just some peasant that sold things. He sold things and made things and created things that were excellent enough for a king. That's who she was married to. That's the family she was connected to. So it wasn't like she was just some nobody off in the hill somewhere and, and, and they had to, to find her. They knew exactly how to get in touch with because her husband was a man of excellence in his business. And in those days, you pretty much get what your father's father did, unless God called you to something else and you had some other stronger skill set. You pretty much passed on what you did to your son because your son inherited everything that you had. So if this is who she was married to. She was married to a man who knew what excellence was. He knew how to handle business. He knew how to handle being in the presence of the king. He knew how to handle being around people who were critical. And he knew how to be that man and honor the woman that God gave him to be his wife. It never said that he stood in her way. It never said that he slowed her down. It never said that he said, look, I'm the man. You're going to do this or you're going to do that. No. When those people came to see her, he stepped out the way. When they were sent by the king, he didn't say, look here now, I'm the man of this house. He said, okay, she's in this room or whatever he said to her, whatever the situation. Mm -hmm. We know that. Her calling, as we see in Romans eleven twenty nine, is was irrevocable. God is not going to change his mind just because you get married. God is not going to give you someone who cannot be with you in agreement with you when you are married. If that's the case, no one in ministry would ever marry, and no woman would ever marry. But that is not the situation. Sometimes you have a situation where the husband and wife work together in ministry, such as with uh, – the, the New Testament couple, uh, the, the names escape me right now for a second, but there are times in Scripture where you see two people who are married together who are working together. We see, for example, Mary and Joseph. They worked together. Even though he was a carpenter, he knew that his priority was to honor God. And whenever God said move, Joseph moved that whole family. Whenever God said go, Joseph went. Whatever God told Joseph to do, Joseph did it. He still did his business. He still honored. He, he, you know, he still honored his his commitment to take care of this child who was not his, his adopted son, and he knew that this was the son of God. So he was very, very uh, reverent and very, very worshipful of who this child was. 
and he watched over him. He didn't let him just go his own way. He still treated him as a child as long as he was in a child's body. But he was still a carpenter. He still handled his business. So we have examples in Scripture of couples working together. But we also have, as in this case, where the woman was the one who was the minister and who was in ministry, but the husband had something totally different, but they still were together. You cannot lose your heart. If your heart is to serve in a certain particular ministry or in a certain capacity of ministry, because you married, that does not change. What did Holder do? Holder answered them in verse 23. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, tell the man who sent you to me. That's amazing how bold she was. <laughs> and she didn't have an attitude, I'm quite sure. But she says, thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants. All the curses that are written in the book which they have read before the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will be poured out on this place and not be quenched. I'm going to stop for a second. This woman was not only a prophet of God. She was bold to tell the man that sent those, those leaders to her. She could have been afraid. She could have, you know, because there were prophets before her who had been killed, and prophets after her had been persecuted and killed. And here she was, a woman. She could have easily, because women were not given respect during that day. They were considered as property unless they were a prophetess, unless they were a judge. Then maybe perhaps they might give her some respect, but not always. And she boldly spoke in a time where women weren't even allowed to go to school, where they weren't even allowed to study a lot of times in, in a lot of you know, situations. They were, were not regarded to, to, as, as whether to even speak in the presence of men. But when God is in you and he has moved on you to do, a, to do a task and to have an assignment, there is no man anywhere in the world that can stop God. So she boldly gave this word from God and even told him, told him what God said and why God was going to do it and told him God's going to bring calamity. He is going to bring hardship. He is going to punish them with his wrath and it is not going to be quenched. Now, that was something that most people would have said, do you have to be so harsh? I mean, we're trying to make changes here. You see the king is making changes already. The king already tore his clothes, so you know his heart is, could you, could you just, you know, tone that down? But it wouldn't have mattered. She already spoke what God had to say. Mm-hmm. And we know from studying the scriptures that now all prophets did that. Some of them would change their minds and say something else. So this was a woman who, and, you know, and, her, and again, her husband did not step in and say, hey, don't say that. That's too harsh. Hey, wait a minute, honey. Be, be careful now. You, you, may, you may mislead them. You, you know, don't, don't, don't speak such a, a hard, judgmental word. But see, when you are called of God, you will speak what God tells you to speak or you answer to God because the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Oh, the new King James, I mean, the King James says, are without repentance. God is never going to take back what he said when he told you to walk in, yeah. your, in, in your calling. He's yeah. never going to change his mind. He's never going to revoke it. He's never going to say, you know what? I see that you're married now. Why don't you focus on that? 
why don't you go ahead and, and give attention to that and I'll just call somebody else. <laughs> that is not going to happen. You are called from the womb before you have fingers formed, before your heart was beating, your calling was on your life, male or female, because in Christ there is no male or female in Christ. He calls you based on what he put in you, based on how he created you. If he created you to speak to women, then guess what? You're going to be speaking to women. We look at present-day couples like Joyce Myers and her husband, okay? When Joyce Myers is up there giving the word of God, do you see her husband anywhere? No? But when he's walking in his calling as a pastor, do you see her stepping into that? We each have to answer to God for what God has called us to do individually. What do we do as a couple? We support each other in prayer. We cover each other. We watch each other's backs. If you see the enemy coming, you fight him off. That's what you do in a marriage. You don't try to take that person's position and say, okay, I got this. I'll take it from your hands. I'll cover this. Because the husband's going to say, well, you're coming to this house. I got this. Let me speak to this. No, God didn't call him to that office. God called him to make sure that his wife was covered, make sure that his wife was protected, make sure that she was provided for. Because in those days, if everybody is out there, for the most part, the whole culture, we look at what God says, what they did. They have burned incense to other gods. They were following after the, 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 the culture of that day. They were doing everything but serving God. So what do you think a prophet was, was doing? You think they were supporting her? You think they were giving offerings and seeing to it that she had what she needed? No, but her husband did. See, God made sure she was with somebody who was strong, someone who was excellent, someone who took care of his business, somebody who knew how to make sure that the bills were paid, despite whether or not the people of that day were supporting her ministry like they should have, like God commanded. They weren't giving her what they should have. Because they didn't even know the word. The word was hidden. It had been uh, uh, kicked to the side, buried somewhere in a pile of rubble, and they could have cared less. They weren't repeating the word of God. It wasn't written on the walls of the people, of, of the homes. They were worshiping other gods. And God instituted a king who started making a change. But in the meantime, this woman, all this time, was still prophesying. Who knows? She could have had rock stone out her had her husband not been there. She could have been stoned. She could have been burned alive had her husband not stepped up. And they knew who her husband was. And they knew this husband, he worked in royalty. He worked in the, 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 the palace. They knew not to touch or mess with anybody connected to the king, whether he was a good king or a bad one. And that's who he worked for. That's who his father worked for his grandfather worked for. So they already knew a man who worked for the king, he was dressed a certain way, he was in certain circles that he ran in, he sat at certain places at the table. Nobody was going to touch him, and therefore no one dared touch her. So you can't say that when you're married and you're called that it's going to change you and that, well, I'm married and I'm more concerned about my husband now. No, she still was a wife. She still cooked. and She still cleaned the house. And she still made sure he had clean clothes to wear. You know what I'm saying? She did her role. But when God moved on her to speak, she spoke. And after he was done with her at that moment in that season, she went back to making sure that the oil was pressed and the, and the bread was baked and 
and you know the wheat was 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 harvested or whatever it is that she had to do she was still a wife god gives you grace for whatever it is that he has called you to do you cannot lose heart for what god has created you to become just because you have taken on another responsibility cuz marriage there are responsibilities in it, yes, but they are no more than the responsibilities of life. You just have someone who is personally there to stand with you, to agree with you. She can share things with her husband. She can share with anyone else. She could, she could go to him when she couldn't go to anyone else. She could look to him when she could not look to anyone else. So, no, he did not preach. And no, he did not prophesy. And no, he did not stand next to her. And when she would speak a word, he would speak a word. It was no tag team and it was nothing like that. But what it was, was while she was standing there prophesying, he had her back. He made sure nobody got too close to her, that nobody disrespected her, that nobody came near her because he had the authority of the king behind him. And greater than that, he had the power of God's anointing as a husband on him. He was her head, even though she was in a position higher than his. I hope you all understand that. I don't want you to ever think that when you marry, that things change when it comes to your calling. Do not lose heart. I told you I was going to look at one more scripture, if, if, if I could get to it. And I want to show you this in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4. And I, I guess, you know, in, in context, this is talking about um, a church who pretty much had everything going well for them. And, you know, let, let, me, just, let me just go there. Revelation chapter 2. I'm going to, I'm not just going to read verse 1, I'm going to read the whole section. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, these things say he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Ladies, we cannot lose heart. Don't let your marriage become a distraction. Don't let the duties and the cares of this life get to you so much so that you're not in the Word, that you're not studying, that you're not doing what you can, and don't think that you're going to be overwhelmed because the enemy of your soul will have you believe that it's overwhelming. But it's really a matter of perspective. You cannot compare your life as an unmarried woman to your life as a married woman. When you were unmarried, the house was always in order, or the finances were always in order, or your hair was always done, your nails were always done. Whatever it was that you are walking in right now, when things change, and they probably will when you marry, you cannot compare one to the other. You cannot get mad, upset, irritated, aggravated, or be instigated by the enemy because you are not what you were. Because guess what? You're not what you were. You're married. 
So, no, your nails may not always be done, or your hair may not always be done, or your finances may not always look the way they looked before, or the house may not always be in order, or you may not always go out with your girlfriends every week. I don't know. But when the enemy comes and tries to get you to make comparisons, remember that you are no longer unmarried. You are a totally different person with a different state, and you need to have a different state of mind. But when it comes to your calling, there is no change. You are still called. The great thing is now you have a greater grace because now where one puts a 1,000 to flight, you have a husband now, and it will be 10,000 that's put to flight. Whereas before you were, as it says in, in, in the Old Testament, that you were kind of doing things on your own. But now the Bible says that two are better than one. And I love that because sometimes, you know, we kind of think that, you know, I'm on this on my own. And and I've listened to women say things like, you know, I have my own house. I have my own car. I have a good career. I have three degrees. I don't need a man. And let me just pause this because when God says in Genesis that it is not good for the man to be alone, he meant us too because we were already inside of Adam. We were already there. It is not good for us to be alone, period. Because when you are alone, you tend to focus everything on you. And you can pretty much get into such a bubble, into such a cocoon, that you don't even know how to share anymore. It's my car. It's my money. It's my, and your possessions all of a sudden start to possess you. And your attitude will change when you see now there's somebody else that you're sharing with. But the Bible says in Ecclesiastes not, chapter 4 that two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. That's Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. What is, what Ecclesiastes. Is all this, what are, what, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. I'm sorry. I thought I gave that to you. Thank you. But, but what this is saying is, Two are better than one. It's not good for men to be alone. So saying that one is better than the other, I have to go with what God says. He says two are better than one. And you notice the pattern and the habits of God. Whenever he sent people out in ministry, he always sent them out in twos. For every David, there was a Jonathan. For every Moses, there was an Aaron. For every Paul, there was a Silas. There was a Barnabas. There was, you know, there was always. Some way, oh, I just remembered the couple in the New Testament, Priscilla and Aquila. They were married to each other, and they both taught the word of God together. They both ministered together. They were a team. They both had the same type of a calling together. And sometimes you get that. But you have two pastors that are married to each other or two teachers that are married together, but not always. That is not always the case. Sometimes the husband is called, the wife is not. 
And you, and even and even if she is automatically deemed as a first lady, that does not mean that she is a, a pastor. That means that her her position is different. She has other assignments from God, other things that do not include direct ministry to the people, direct ministry from the Word of God. She ministers from a different perspective, just like Holder's husband ministered from a different perspective. His call was to look after, making sure that his family name was strong so that he could always have his family close prox- in close proximity to the king. Now, I'm sure there were other prophets in the land at that time. I'm quite sure. I, 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 God always has a remnant. Always. You are never the only one. Never. But why was it that Holder was called on? Holder was was. was, was was the one that they went to, I quite imagine it was because her husband's position made them totally aware of who she was, that she was no stranger to the palace because when he came to special events, his wife came with him. And when they talked to her in casual conversation, they heard from her the things that she would say. They knew that she was not an ordinary woman. It was established and understood. This was a prophetess of God. She had that much respect from them. Now, even though they were all living their own lives and doing what they wanted and they weren't serving God, they still knew that she was. And when it came time for the king to be ready to honor God, who did they go to first? The one that they knew. Now, had her husband not worked in the positions that he that he was in and had that kind of closeness to the king, I don't know if they would have known her. I don't know if they would have called on her. But if you, if you marry someone who is not in ministry, have respect for what he does do because you never know because the Bible says that a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. You, you, you may find yourself on your way to the White House because of your husband's position. I know my husband is a photographer, but he goes all over the place. I mean, in the state house, in the Congress home, in the senator's house. I mean, he's everywhere because of the gifts that God gave him. Did God call him to preach? No. Am I praying that he will? No. That's not my place. God does whatever he wants to do with us. He calls us. He gifts us. He anoints us for what we're supposed to do. But I've been in places that I would have never gone to in ministry alone, that I've gone to because I was on my husband's arm. I've been in circles and taken pictures with people that I would have never met just because um, a Bible teacher, but because I was a photographer's wife, I end up putting on a gown. I'm going into some high security, wonderful place and meeting people that I would have never come close to other than maybe in a parade standing behind a rope watching them wave. So you can't lose heart when you are preparing for marriage. Don't look for someone who is a perfect match to what you're doing and what you're interested in. Don't look for someone who we like to say is compatible with us. Don't look for someone who has so many similarities to us that we are just perfectly fit for each other. Because the Bible says that we are to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not to our own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of our ways, and he will direct our path, not our 
sensibility trying to figure it out and trying to match two things together. I think he's compatible. I think we're just alike. Oh, we have the same background. Oh, we have the same dream. Oh, this is going to be a perfect fit. Stop trying to be your own matchmaker. All you are to do is to guard your heart. Make sure your heart is right with God. Make sure that you are not distracted. Make sure that you are not following after what seems to be okay, because there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is destruction. That is why so many people have destroyed their lives, destroyed their marriages, because they were trying to make it happen on their own. Your spouse, whoever God has lined up for you and whoever you choose to be with will be exactly what you need if you regard it correctly with the right perspective. God knows what you need. He knows what you want. And he knows what he wants. And at the end of the day, what he wants takes priority over everything else. Because thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. At the end of our prayers, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. At the end of what we want, not my will, but thine be done. At the end of what we desire, Lord God, I surrender to you. I surrender all. I don't want to be this person that was in, like the, the, the Ephesians, like the church of Ephesus that was doing everything right, but it left their first love. Remember who you love. Remember who you're going to stand for. Remember who you're looking to see. God did not promise us a spouse, just like he did not promise us a tomorrow, but he did promise that we have an appointed time to die, and after that, the judgment. He did promise that if you have been a good and faithful servant, he will let you know, and he will reward you. But don't lose heart. Don't lose the heart of ministry. Don't lose the heart of your call. Don't lose the heart of your assignment, and don't lose the heart of your anointing. Don't look for someone to match you perfectly. That is not your job. You look for your heart to be at peace with God when you decide to marry, who you decide to marry. Make sure that your heart is at peace. If God is nothing you know, then it's no. I don't care if you are a perfect match on paper or on a computer. I don't care if the computer matches you up and he says the right things and he looks the right way and he has the right hobbies and everything that he does in the community matches what you do. If God is not giving you peace in your soul, you don't have to say no. Because after you say I do, you will either have a life of having the word guide you because heaven and earth can pass away, ladies. But when God speaks to you, about that man before you marry him, I don't care what happens in your life. His word will not pass away. If he tells you that's the man for you and you say, okay, and you marry him, come hell or high water, and it does come. The enemy can come in like a flood. The Lord will lift up a standard against it every time, every time, every situation. You can say, God, I remember what you said. God, I recall what you said. Lord, I am bringing to your remembrance your word. That's what he said. Put me in remembrance of my word. Put me in remembrance of my word. See, when you do it on your own and you try to get God to co-sign, God is not a co-signer. 
God doesn't follow our lead. We follow him. He's God. So God says, I'm, I'm putting you with this gentleman. I am giving you an option to marry this gentleman or this gentleman. Both of them will do well. Both of them will be great men for you. Both of them have a heart. And who you desire, like we talked about last week, who you desire, just decide to go with, then that's who I will bless. But if you see somebody and it's just everything that you feel is what you want and God is telling you no and you do it anyway, that's when you have a hard marriage. Because the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Transgressor is someone who's transgressed God's law when God speaks and you do the opposite. That's a transgressor. His way is hard. When people say that marriage is hard, I always wonder, did God tell you to marry that person? Or did you just do it on your own? You have to ask yourself that question in all honesty. Is that really the one? Did you cover that and bathe that relationship in prayer before you said, I do? Or did you let your flesh call all the shots because you had chemistry? Here's, at this point in our life, we don't have time for games, ladies. We are not in high school. We are in the last days. And the days are getting shorter and shorter. Jesus is coming to, we do not have time to be tripped up, held back, hindered, and stopped in our tracks because we're in love. <laughs> we can't. We can't lose heart. What did God call you to do? God, this is my calling. I'm walking in it. I'm at a point now, Lord God, where I need that support system. I need the two that are better than one so that we have a good reward for our labor. You think because Holder was a prophet and her husband wasn't that they didn't labor together? Oh, yes, they did. Yes, they did. He had her stride for stride. She had him stride for stride. That man did not do without what he needed as a man or would have said so. She did not go without what she needed as a woman or the Bible would have told us so. She was able to do her job. And he was able to do his because they were both supporting each other. We have to look at what the Bible says. And we have to understand if he mentioned that the Bible gave that much detail about her husband, we have to have enough wisdom from God and, and to let him teach us what this really means. He wasn't just mentioning this man's name. He was mentioning this man's position, this man's placement, this man's giftings, talent, his lineage, his heritage, and how that all played in for the time when a king needed a prophet to inquire of the Lord, where are we going to go? We're going to go with who we know that we know that we know is not going to mess up. Of all the prophets in the land, we know Holder. Okay, all right, I'm on the phone. Hello? Hello? Hi, I'm here. Hello? I don't know what's going on over there. This is Carl. What happened? I don't know. Okay. That wasn't me. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. That was my rude son. Okay. Oh. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> well, next you could just muted yourself, you know. <laughs> Woo, bless the Lord. Everybody okay? Are we all okay? She's probably on mute. Oh, okay, okay. But you're no, okay, I'm right? good. I'm sorry. I'm good. I'm good. 
<laughs> he okay. takes his hoverboard outside, runs over it with his car, and then it's my fault. And I, it's yeah. I, I might just get off because I'm just, the devil's just busy today. I'm just yeah. It's all right. It's really all right. It's really all right. Yeah. It's all right. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Lord, we pray about the situation right now. Lord God, we ask that you to step in and address it with the fact, oh God, alone that you are called the Prince of Peace. Lord God, we invoke right now that your spirit of peace would just overshadow and permeate that situation right now. That you will go into that place, oh God, and level out all the strife, the contention, the confusion, because you are not the author of it. We know, Lord God, that you reign, and we're asking you to reign in this situation right now, Lord God. Again, as we said before, we are not going to be stopped. We are not going to be hindered in receiving your word for this hour. So thank you for allowing us to have a window in what the enemy is trying to do in that household. We're not going to stop. We're not going to allow the enemy to stop her from receiving your word. So, Lord God, let the word go forth in the name of Jesus. For your glory, Lord God. Amen. All right, ladies. I know I've said quite a bit, and I know that I've repeated a few things deliberately. Now I want you to to speak back to me and tell me what God was saying to you in in this study. Okay, well, I'll go first. Um, okay. I, it's, it's kind of funny because um, I, when I spoke earlier, I said that um, my ministry is all about women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and while you were talking, um, God spoke to my heart, and it's about parenting. It's not just about women. It's about okay. parenting. And I have more than one ministry under my belt. So, it's um I'm uh I'm corrected right now. <laughs> okay. Um and also um that um as you were talking, um I I began to fully more fully understand the um the husband's position mm-hmm. in the marriage and the um the blessing of union, which I have not until now really grasped. Okay, I should say um, because I um, I don't consider myself this ultra um, successful woman, but okay. there has not been a man to attribute anything to in my life. So I was the I'm doing it myself, me and God. Um, but mm-hmm. I do now mm-hmm. understand that in a union, you uh, you you gain more responsibility, but you also gain greater blessing in the yes. power of that union. Yes. Um, very good. Very good. So that's what else are you taking away? Um. Um. My first love hasn't been fully developed, and that might be. Um, necessary because I mean I'm, my my first love with Christ was just about me and him him healing me until okay. he showed me 
began to show me my ministry. And so when my ministry is defined, maybe then I'll be ready. Okay. So what are you going to do to start changing that from the aspect of God in, in, in him blessing you and healing you? What are you doing to bless him? Uh, well, that's what where my ministry is. To, um, to see, blessing God what? is more than just your service to Him. God doesn't okay. want you to just be a servant; otherwise, He would have just hired you. you okay. He wants you first. You in a place where you are in worship, where I mean, you even if you get caught up in the work alone, it becomes a drudgery. And you start wondering why you're even doing this. It has to be based on love because love never fails. Love causes you to believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. It's that love but that's, is not that's where my ministry comes from, it, through what, what's happened in my life because of him and my worship to him is to share that with others. I'm, I'm not clear on that. Okay, okay. I think I understand where you're coming from. I just want to make sure that um, that every your your relationship is not primarily oh, no. a service to him. Okay, because I don't consider ministry work when it's something from the heart. It's just something from the heart. Okay, you know what I mean. Like what I do, yeah. even at I have a job that pays me, mm-hmm. but in that job right. there are components of ministry that are straight from my heart that have nothing to do with the pay. Right, right. Okay. Very good, very good. Is there anything else? Uh, well, it's a lot. I don't want to take a whole lot of time. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> um, when you talked about looking for a perfect match, that um, that was a revelation to me um, because mm-hmm. um, I, I I'm divorced. Um, I never consulted God about getting married. And I knew once I got into it, because it was like walking into the doors of hell from the beginning to Mm. the end of it. Mm. Um, And and I realized that I didn't do it with God. I did it. We just did it. It was without him. And um, and, 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 in trying to, before we, before we divorced, we tried to get back together, but he was not with Christ. So, and I had um, dedicated, rededicated myself to Christ. And so it was, um, um, we would have been unevenly yoked. So um, that took me back to that. You're right. It's not, you know, if you're not, if you don't do it with God, He's not going to be in a part of the union. He's the glue that keeps you together. Mm. You can, of course, always invite the Lord in later. It's not like you know. It, God, God but it would God have to be. It would have to be unanimous, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 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 But you can always hold on to Him. If He if He doesn't turn, if He doesn't come to the Lord, you still can even in that relationship. Even still, you don't just walk away at that point. You know. If you're still yeah. in the relationship, you just love and honor the Lord. And if they decide to serve the Lord too, that's great. But if they don't, God still has you. Yeah, because the husband can be won over by the wife. I, I went through all that. He can be. Um, he I, I, I remember, I, remember I, I used to watch 
uh, different people when I was younger. And I knew in particular this one lady I knew uh, quite well. Excuse me. Excuse me. I thought this needs coming. <laughs> Sorry. God bless you. But thank you. She was a pastor. Her husband, uh, he was not. He was nowhere near ministry or Christianity at all. And he tormented her. He gave her such a hard time. He just really, 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 really was just not a nice person to her. And I knew of another woman, same thing. She was saved in serving God, and she was a pastor, and she had a prophetic anointing. Her husband was abusive and a lot of other things. And in both of those situations, over the years, I just watched these women, how tender they were, how kind they were, how powerful they were, and what they went through in their marriages. And I always I always thought at that time that I would never get married if I had to marry somebody who wasn't in ministry. So, you know, the, it, it you would think that, well, I just will just marry a pastor. Well, I have known some pastors who were who were horrible to their wives, you know. So it's not the the, the, the anointing in the ministry that, that makes the marriage. You make the marriage no matter what your position in life is. You make the, the, the marriage. God blesses you to do it, but you still have to choose to be a blessing. In marriage, you are a living blessing to the other person if you choose to be. And people don't always choose to be. So yeah. give the example of, of, of Holda and that you can tell that, that she was blessed in her marriage because of how God had no made no bones about mentioning her husband and all the details about him, you know, who he was and where he did where he came from and honored him that way. Um, they didn't just say there was a prophetess and they went to the prophetess Holda and blah blah blah. They actually brought him into the picture because he mattered. He mattered. You know, so he he did his part. He was a true husband to her, you know. He wasn't just a partner. He wasn't just a friend. He wasn't just some guy that she was, you know, married to. He was a part of her life, and God made sure that we knew it. So that's uh, the thing I guess God wanted us to see because I, I, I know where I was at one point in my life over 20 years ago where I was very skeptical of being married at all, and especially marrying someone who was not in ministry, but after so many years, I knew in my heart I would marry either a businessman or an athlete. I knew that was what I desired, and I didn't know why. And it wasn't that I was looking to, to marry a, you know, a football player and you know, be rich and all that stuff. It was just something about the drive of a disciplined man that moved me. I've always been an alpha female since I was a little girl, before I even knew what that term was. And athletes and businessmen both have the alpha Con, you know, con, context about them where they are able to lead, they are able to take others and take care of them, and they're able to go forth into dangerous situations and just operate. They don't panic. They don't lose control. They just operate. And that's what I wanted to be around, someone who could just operate. So it's not a strange thing that both my husband and I are both alphas. But anyone who understands how that works and what that means, an alpha female always submits to the alpha male. I would never want to be with a weak man. I would never want to be with a man who could not handle his, his business, you know, who could not step up and be the strength to, to, to be the leader, to be – I couldn't do it. I couldn't be with a man who was a, a pansy, a man who just say, oh, whatever, you know, I don't know, who can't make a decision, who can't 
take a step forward. I could never be with, with someone like that. I would never have any respect for him. <laughs> but that's me. You have to know you. Mm-hmm. I want to be the kind of woman that 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 drags him around and, and, and bosses him around. I'm not the kind that cries and and uses emotions to to to. I don't do all that. You know, once I know what to do, I do it. Now, I know that I can't make a man do anything, nor do I want to. You know, I want to see us grow together and go forward together. And we have to. If you're going to be in a marriage, you have to want to do things together. You can't be, well, look, I'm a prophetess and I have to have life a certain way. You know what? God's not going to give you a crazy man. He understands who you are and what you are and what you have to do, but you know what? He he wants some dinner. (laughs) He don't want you to prophesy (laughs) over the refrigerator. Right. (laughs) And lay your hands on the stove. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he wants to come home and smell something cooking. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh. oh, my goodness. <laughs> you too good to get down and, and, and clean the toilet. Come on now. You have to live in this world like everybody else, regardless mm-hmm. of your job, regardless of your calling, your title, your anointing. You still have to take care of the business of life. You have to mm-hmm. be responsible. And that's but we have to do just have respect for the fact that we all have to live life and just take care of business. Now, um, Shanice, I, I know you're still on the call. You want to share with us what what um, the no, is right. today? No, I'm I'm fine. I'm just listening. I'm a little beside myself I, right now. I understand. I understand. I understand. I just thought I'd ask. Thank you. Did you all have have any questions about anything? Um, you you referenced a, a scripture, and I don't know where it comes from. You have um, do you know where a man's gift makes room for him? Is mm-hmm. uh, that's Proverbs? Ooh, let me let me find it for you right quick. Yeah, all I I, I knew it was in Proverbs, but I just don't know where. Yeah, I'm sure I have it colored in 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 one color or another. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, <clears throat> give me a second. Mm-mm-mm-mm. You know, sometimes you have a scripture. Inside. It's in Proverbs 18, verse 16. A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. Thank you. Mhm. Oh, here's another good one. We can write down for this study. Proverbs 18:22. Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. So it's moments like these, Shanice, where I know that God sees what you're trying to do on your own. And he sees the situation and all the other situations that nobody knows about. We just happen to be on a call with you while whatever happened just went down. But God already was going to happen before it happened. And I want to assure you that God understands what your desire is. And you taking the time out to study, to learn how to be the wife that God is calling you to become, that is a great thing that you're doing because some people just jump into the marriage with no preparation, with no study, with no consideration, and they spend a year preparing for the wedding day and spend no time at all preparing for the life that's ahead. 
you are going to have a great marriage. And you're going to have a husband who stands with you and will help you to handle situations that come up that can leave you beside yourself. And the beauty of it is you won't be beside yourself because there will be someone beside you. That's what I'm speaking over your life right now. In the name of Jesus, just because of the blessing that you are sitting at the feet of Jesus with us to study how to be what he's calling you to. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you. Hallelujah. Marriage is a gift from God. It was his answer to being alone. He said being alone is not good. Hallelujah. He depends who you need. You just be diligent about being ready. Not on the outside alone, but like you're doing right now, the inside. This part that we're doing, this is the oil that you need to keep that in split. This is the oil. This is it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. We give you glory, Lord God. He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like. And where you are. He was on that cross. He was by himself. No man stayed with him. No one was with him. All he had was those who were taunting him and hurting him and making fun of him and mocking him. And that's what it feels like when you're alone trying to keep a household and nobody knows how you're being taunted, mocked, and disrespected. But God sees all of it. My Bible says that he pities every groan. He pities every groan, even when you can't speak. You don't have words. He pities every groan. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Bless you, Lord God. Bless you, Lord God. Carla, I'm going to pray us out. If you stay on the phone, I'm going to cut the recording off. Father, thank you for this time, and I thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing and what you've done. And I give you glory for the word that you gave us today. We will not lose heart, Lord God, as long as we hold on to you, because you already told us that if we trust in you, with all of our hearts, and that leads to our own understanding that you will direct our path and acknowledge you. And, Lord, I ask that you help us to follow after you, even when it comes time for marriage, that we don't lose the heart for ministry. We don't lose the heart to honor you in our calling. We don't lose heart and allow ourselves to become distracted, but that we serve you and please our husbands and bless our husbands, knowing that you're going to give us husbands who are a blessing to us. So, God, I give you praise for that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So I'm going to cut the recording off, and I'm still on the line. Okay. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.